podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back and Blitz Month continues on and we're kind of, you know, continuing this, you know, little back-to-back swing of my favorite K-State sports podcast. Yesterday we had his co-host on. Now we have, like I said, one of the co-hosts of my favorite K-State podcast, the Aggieville Alleycats. He's a senior at K-State. He's an insanely handsome man. He has the pulse on K-State football, K-State recording, and all things K-State sports. I think one day he may just rule the world. His name is uh, Connor Baltazar. Again, I probably stumbled over that. I'm just intimidated by getting you on Bosco's boys. I'm so excited. Don't tell my boss. You know, I'm taking time out of my secret day job to make sure I get to talk to you. Uh, How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for the uh, flattering introduction. Yes, I hope no, I rule the world someday. Yeah, and if you do run the world one day, just remember that introduction I gave you. Uh, just keep me, keep me, uh, you know, on your good side if you ever become president or you know, hostile takeover of any countries or anything like that. Just, yeah, I just will remember. personally fund Bosco's boys for all of eternity. Hey, if I rule perfect. The world, I so. I hope we're still going at that point. So, uh, you know, it, it it's a fun one, and I'm happy to see you guys going. And again, we had your co-host Ace on yesterday. But before we jump into talking any K-State football, I didn't ask him this, um, so that's on me. But tell me why you two decided to launch Aggieville Alleycats. Um, well, it's honestly something that I had wanted to do for quite a while, uh, a couple of years, uh, probably since the beginning of college, because uh, at the very beginning of college, one of my now roommates and uh, another one of my now roommates uh, – we did a, a fantasy football podcast for about a semester, our freshman year. Like, it was just kind of like what we uh, got close over, and we really enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. I was like, you know, I kind of like this podcast thing, but uh, none of them were as interested in K-State as I was. And uh, Ace and I, we went to high school together, and uh, then he came up to K-State, so we've gotten a lot closer just bonding over that. And it was just kind of a, it was a no-brainer. And then I also had to do podcast for uh, one of my uh, classes uh, for a final project. So I did a podcast for that, and I was like, well, I'm already doing it now. I might as well just keep going. Well, no, that that's awesome. That's awesome. Let, let's jump into K-State football. And something you guys always touch on your show, and I love that about it, is you guys always touch on recruiting. And I think no matter who the head coach has been, basically as long as I've been following K-State sports and been on message boards and been on the internet, which is basically my entire life, one of the most sensitive subjects, especially when it comes to K-State football fans, is football recruiting. Why do you think that's always such a contentious issue amongst K-State fans? Um, well, that's a great question because there's probably like a million reasons for that. Uh, almost everything about recruiting. Uh, I'm kind of um, pisses off K-State fans at one point or another. But um, it, it has always been from 30,000 feet. It's a little strange because we still have been – uh, relatively successful, you know, if we aren't successful recruiting wise, I mean, successful on the field. And 
I, but I do think that maybe some of it stems from uh, it's just annoying to lose recruits to peer schools, um, uh, striking out on higher rated guys. And uh, I know that a lot of people are starting to get fed up with the uh, walk on you branding, which I, I kind of am as well. I'm not a, not a huge fan of it, but um, I, I don't know. My perspective is if the guy is good is rating, isn't that important? Like, Toby Osinsanmi right now is criminally underrated on rivals, but I think he's excellent. And, uh, but I think the general fan perspective right now is maybe just more frustration of if we can do what we're doing right now, lower rated recruits, what could we do with higher rated recruits? Which I think is a fair perspective. I mean, if we're developing low rated guys, then imagine guys are already at a higher floor. Definitely. Also, I love how you already are, you know, pronouncing Tobio, whatever that the last name is with such confidence. I'm probably his entire career. I'm going to just call him Tobio because I'm not confident at all in my pronunciation of that. Give it for me one more time. Osin Sanmi. And I, I might totally be wrong. I keep the confidence, (laughs) keep the confidence. No, all right. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yep. Awesome. So of the incoming freshmen, so it, it would have been the class of 2021, who do you think of those guys is going to be the first to make a major impact on this team? Uh, that's a tough question because I'm not sure if any of them are going to make a major impact immediately because we filled in a lot of our holes with uh, transfers and then uh, we, we just have guys waiting in the wings. But if I had to make more of an abstract guest, uh, I'd say maybe Devontae Pritchard make, make a special teams a contribution this year. And then we may see Brennan Hawkins or RJ Garcia uh, I forget which one of them enrolled early. I think it was Hawkins. Yeah, yeah it was Hawkins. Yeah, I Hawkins enrolled early. Drum for RJ Garcia, though. I think he's going to be special. I really like their film. Get him for spring. Yeah, they they both have really good film, especially RJ. RJ looked really really nice. I'm just giving Hawkins the edge right now because he has the spring program, but I think that'll level out and maybe Garcia even comes out ahead. But I know that at one point at the spring practice, uh, RJ ran a route, made a catch in Van Malone like yelled at him he was like rj like, like, and then like said something i was like oh that must be rj garcia definitely so i i didn't have this on the outline but i i'm gonna go rogue here for a little bit who do you think is going to end up having the biggest impact amongst 2021 i think we both agree i don't think we're going to see another uh you know deuce vaughn or even like if you go back to malik Knowles's true freshman year where you know they had games where they were the best player on offense or anything like that but who do you think eventually could get there out of this 2021 class? Um, in terms of the, the biggest impacts, like just down the road, you're saying? Um, yes, yeah. But it's ultimately said and done when K-State fans in 2026 look back on the 2021 recruiting class, who will be the guy everyone says is that was the best player? Uh, I would say not including transfers. I think it's got to be either Rubley or Lean Gang. Uh, Rubley, I mean, just... Right now, you kind of have to say it just because of the he's one of the highest rated recruits that we've ever had, especially in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Lean Gang was a, I think, a huge win. I absolutely love him. And uh, I, I think that's a little underrated recruiting win, maybe. Like, I like I did kind of go in on the staff for not really beating out Power 5 schools, but they beat out Stanford and Minnesota, I'm pretty sure, for Lean Gang. And I don't know, he looks really, really good. So if the interior offensive line weren't just absolutely stacked, he could be starting next year probably. No, definitely. I think the future is very bright for Connor Riley's uh, department. Um, of the current 2022 commits, do you have a favorite amongst the class early on? 
Uh, I think Toby O, as you call him, uh, he's my favorite so far. Uh, his potential is just absolutely through the roof. He's an elite level athlete uh, right now. Um, and if he has a senior season that I think that he's capable of having, you should see a pretty big bump in recruiting rankings. 24-7 already has him at a very high three-star, I believe, in their in-house rankings, but their composite's a little lower because of rivals and ESPN, I'm assuming. Uh, but he's he's got great size. He's basically Jaron Kanak, but a little less developed and a little bigger. And Tobio, I think the best case of comparison is Elijah Lee, but he's probably more athletic than he was. Yeah, I'm excited for him. I think that when when it's all said and done, assuming climbing sticks around for a while, that might be heralded as one of his best pickups, uh, maybe of his time at K-State. Um, ultimately, how would you grade out Coach Kleiman's recruiting chops? I, this is something that I've uh, kind of battled on message boards and on Twitter because if you look at what he's done from my point of view, if you exclude his scramble class, is he's basically assembled some of the best classes we've seen since the Rivals era. You know, Ron Prince had one one year where he was in the 30s, and Bill Snyder had one in the 40s, I think. And Kleiman has had three classes back to back to back that have been better than almost anything Snyder's done, but it still isn't good enough for a lot of folks. So I find myself kind of trying to make that fight. Uh, I trust your opinion on this far more than mine. So whatever you say here, I'm going to adopt as my new opinion. So, you know, take that weight for what it's worth, but what would you say his recruiting chops are like? What would you grade him out at? Um, I think so far I give him a high C plus or low B minus, uh, not bad at all. Uh, I think the, what mainly brings him down is a lot of swings and misses, but I do admire the fact that he's swinging at all because it seemed like under Snyder 2.0, we just weren't even trying for some of the higher rated guys, but Feynman, you know, he's getting out there and he's actually taking shots and we end up getting guys like Rubley. And even though he already knew his dad, that doesn't matter i mean uh chas nimrod his grandpa played here so legacy doesn't always matter connections don't always matter i mean well, so go where they want. time out time out i don't want to jump in but literally as we're recording this just for pro- posterity's sake we're recording this on august 9th and taylor bratt just sent out the cat signal so again we're, we're publishing this oh, he um, did. I wonder we're publishing this on the 11th i'm gonna say it's john pastor offensive lineman out of nebraska um, I think that's no, a Colorado, great take. out of Colorado. So that's my official guess. Um, maybe we'll see who it is as we're recording, but uh, it's funny how these things happen, um, you know, right as we're recording. So yeah. a very similar thing happened to me and Ace on one of our episodes. Uh, we were, we just started recording. We'd waited about an hour and a half because a cat signal went out. And within 30 seconds of starting, Jake Clifton committed. So we just threw that into our new segment. Also, I'm going to say this. I actually think Jake Clifton might end up being an actual dude as well. I like him. He has some pretty good film uh, right now. I'm excited to see what he does in his senior year. Uh, I think he he didn't fly under the radar as a commit, I don't think, but he might be a little underrated right now just because of the other linebackers we were chasing because we were chasing some pretty good linebacker uh, targets. Yep. no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, man, it's funny how it's funny how – this stuff always seems to happen. So we'll see how much longer we go and if uh, it'll break. And of course, because we're recording this ahead of time, everyone listening will already know who it is. So um, let me just get all my cat gifts out there from the multiple accounts. And we'll, 
we'll keep going and we'll, we'll see if it breaks while we are while we're in there so oh man where were we okay so the next the next one and this is a great one this is something that um part of me thinks gene taylor jumped the gun because he said this on with john kurtz at this point like seven months it wasn't seven months but like three months ago it seems like that the how they were going to start allocating out uh, high school scholarships versus transfer scholarships each year. Ultimately, if you were calling the shots, how hard would you be leaning into the transfer portal versus high school recruiting? And how would you allocate out those 25 scholarships, Jeter? Uh, assuming it's a normal year, I think that somewhere in the five to eight range is pretty good. I think, especially if you're getting guys like Julius Branson, Timmy Horn, like some guys are going to come in immediately to start and be really good. Um, I, and I think in a, a scramble season, uh, I think we just had eight transfers this year, maybe nine. And I, I think on that's how a, you want to do call JUCOs. Cause that's yeah, like I, the gray area. I don't quite, I don't really include JUCOs in that. I guess we should say, uh, uh, D1 transfers, uh, five to eight, I think, especially with the new rules. Uh, I would break it down uh, from a year-to-year basis, 17 to 20 high schoolers, five-day transfers, because the transfers are great for immediately filling a spot, but you still need to have the high schoolers back there developing uh, because anybody can get hurt at any time. Uh, anybody can transfer at any time. And it's good to just have the developmental guys in the program. No, I, I agree with you. I, I, I don't want to go too deep into the transfer portal but again in this evolving world of college sports uh, if they truly find that niche and can be as successful as they've shown time and time again i'm going to continue to trust them to make those calls um one more thing because uh you were at the practice what were uh, what was the one biggest takeaway you would take away from that and then we'll get into the prediction prediction segment uh my biggest takeaway was definitely that Will Howard was just a completely different quarterback. He looked really good. Uh, I thought he was arguably the most accurate quarterback out there. He was making some throws that Ace and I were audibly reacting to. Like he was throwing like pinpoint passes right into triple coverage with confidence. Like it wasn't like an accidental completion. Like, oh, he didn't see those guys. It was like he saw them and like, but he knew where the receiver was going to be. He looked way more comfortable, way more confident. He was making good throws. He really only made one bad throw that I can recall. He like missed a read and like threw like a jump ball. It was kind of similar to that Philip Brooks interception, the West Virginia game, like almost exact same route, but Will Howard looked really, really, really good. Well, good, good deal. So let's get into the prediction segments. And my guess is anyone listening to this, they should be listening to your show. And hopefully they're listening to the Spotify green room shows. Spotify Green Room, they're our sponsor. We're going live there every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Not just us, but you can talk to fans, other shows, big-time sports journalists, and sometimes even players themselves. Download Spotify Green Room on your Apple uh, store, on your phone, or in the Android store as well. Um, so, again, people are going to hear these. Uh, I'm not going to tar and feather you if you change some of these. If, if I hear a prediction now and you try to change it on your own show, I'm not going to come after you, I promise. But we're just going to see where you're at. Um, and the first one and the first one is probably the easiest question. The follow-up to this one might be a little bit more difficult. But who do you think is going to be the offensive MVP this season? I think easy answer, Skyler. I, I don't have much else to add to that. I mean, we saw what happened last year. So, Skyler. 
Exactly. All right. So outside of Skyler and then outside of Deuce, who I think would be the easy number two pick, who would be your best bet outside of those two guys? Um, yeah, that's when it gets a little tougher, like you said. Um, I think I'm lean Malik Knowles right now. I just feel like he's geared up for a big year because it's just every year that he's been here, it's been a taste of what he can do. And like he ended last year on a good note. He's healthy. He's put on muscle. Uh, I really like Malik Knowles. I'm really tempted to say Daniel Matarbebe because he looked really athletic at the spring practice. And But I still have to go with Malik Knowles, I think, because also his success is just so vital to the team, I think. Definitely. All right. Last year, we said uh, outside of White, Hubert, who would be the defensive MVP. But I don't think there is that obvious answer. So completely open-ended, who is going to be your defensive MVP? I think it's a coin flip between Julius Brents and Jerome McPherson. Uh, I give the uh, slight advantage to Jerome McPherson. Love me some J-Mac, hoping for a big year. And again, I think he was performing at an all-Big 12-type level before he started getting banged up later in the season. Yeah, he, he was playing just so – he was playing out of his mind for that, like, OU Texas Tech stretch. Oh, he looked so good. Yep. All right, so the next one, and these are some of my favorite questions – who is going to be your young breakout player on offense for this? We're going to say has to be a freshman or sophomore who is yet to make a major impact on the season. Uh, this has been uh, my guy throughout the whole spring, Keenan Garber. Uh, I picked him pretty early on. I might've picked him on our first show, honestly, as a guy to watch. Uh, I don't know why I picked him. I just kind of did it, but Keenan Garber, uh, I like him. He's really explosive. He looked electric at the open practice. Uh, he wasn't getting a ton of opportunities because they rotated receiver a lot. But when he did get the ball in his hands, he he looked so fast. He was accelerating quickly, top speed was fast, and he was agile as well. So he had the uh, the perfect combo there. So if he can just have a solid year, that would be huge for this offense. Yeah, I think if you just get one or two of these wide receivers to step up alongside Malik Knowles, it's going to open open stuff up for Amater Bebe. It's going to open stuff up for Deuce. going to make Skyler's life a lot easier. And I'm telling you, I am getting super buzzed about the offense. I, I'm thinking this could be one of – I think this will, without a doubt, be the best offense we've seen since, uh, you know, Jake Waters' senior year. Um, which would have oh, yeah. been even better if Daniel Sams was there. I'm not going to get into it. Sorry if you disagree. I'll just end the show. But, no, I think it's going to be a great offense this year. Totally agree. All right. Now for the defensive side where things – you need some breakout players, I think. So who do you think will be the young breakout player on defense? Uh, my pick is Felix Uh I have heard really good things on message boards and from uh, people that I may or may not know. And uh, – uh, they, they've been saying keep an eye on him because uh, he has looked elite uh, throughout the spring and the summer. So he's a guy, he probably won't start immediately because I think uh, Boom Massey is going to start over him, but he's only retro freshman. Uh, so look, look forward to him uh, just rotating with Boom. Yeah, and they rotate a lot on that defensive line. So I think that's a great pick, uh, King Felix. All right, and I think I've said this about almost every question, but this truly is my favorite question on here. What is the pendulum game of the year? The one game that could swing this season towards possibly being great if we win, but if we lose, it's going to swing it towards being a bad season. I think it's Nevada. Um, honestly, uh, if you look at it sideways and crooked, uh, Stanford may end up being the easiest game that we have in the non-conference because Southern Illinois is no slouch. 
Stanford's supposed to have a down year, and Nevada is legit. They're a top three G5 team, I think. And they have Carson Strong back at quarterback, who I think was just rated like the third best G5 player. I don't remember who said that. It might have been PFF. And at Nevada, they, they just returned like almost all of their weapons. They're going to be a prolific offense. Their defense is like uh, also pretty good. Their special teams are pretty awful, but uh, their, their offense uh, is really prolific. So that's going to be a huge uh, early test for our defense. It's going to be a good barometer for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think Phil Steele had them as a top 20 team in his preseason rankings, if I remember that correctly. But, yeah, he did. I think it yeah. was 19 or 20 or something like that. Yeah, and, and again, because I'm a little afraid of our defense, If I, I'm confident in our offense. I'm hopeful for our defense. But, man, um, I think the fan reaction, even if you win, I think regardless, I think there's going to be a lot of angst among, amongst the fan base after that one because – I think yeah. we could win that game, but I think there's a good chance it might be a 42-38 type game. Yeah, I think I think if we have ever had any offense since the Waters team to be able to win a shootout, it'll be this one. Uh, but yeah, uh, casual fans, they will just look at Nevada and not if they're actually good, they'll just see not a power five and it's a close game or even worse if we lose. And they're going to just immediately uh, uh, grab the pitchforks, I think, if we were to lose that game or even play it close. But yeah. With context, they're they're a very good team. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. All right, so maybe the most important question of the podcast as we're sitting here today is 8-9. Like I said, I won't hunt you down if you change it on another median. But where we're sitting today, what's your prediction for K-State's record? I think 8-4 and four, uh, is my safe prediction. But after watching the offense, they if the defense can figure it out, they push 9-3, and three, I think. Because they they – pushed nine and three really really hard uh 2019 i mean keep in mind they were like uh one or two fluke plays away from being like 10 and three or something like that but said they were eight and four in the regular season so i i don't know i'm pretty high on the squad honestly maybe that's maybe the optimism will kill me by the time the season starts but i don't know i like them i like it all right and then who is going to be playing in the big 12 championship uh, this is something Ace and I are fantasizing about right now. It's uh, OU and Oklahoma State, literally the week after Bedlam. And because we think that we honestly were interested in going to Bedlam just as casual observers until we found out tickets were like $250, like minimum. And I think they're both going to be really, obviously OU will be good, but I think Oklahoma State is a dark horse to be the second best team in the Big 12. And I think Bedlam's going to be a rowdy game, to put it lightly. And uh, then I'd love to see a rematch just the week after, just like round two. Definitely. And then who is K-State sharing a conference with in 2022? I think the remaining eight of the current Big 12, I think the money of potential is just way too high for any school to leave. Even KU, I, I think that they're smart enough to stick around just for the money. Okay, so will it just be those eight teams? Are they going to add anyone, or are they going to have to start trying to scramble and find some new non-conference games? Um, I think they will add teams in the future. Not immediately, I don't think. Uh, Bowlesby, nobody's ever accused him of being in a rush to do anything. Uh, so it'll probably be a few years before we do that. And also, uh, I remember seeing somewhere that if we add teams that, that may uh, be able to allow ESPN to – say that like we're not the original like big 12 anymore and that could like cancel out like any other buyouts or something like that so they may wait for the grant of rights to expire to add more teams which 
I mean, it takes a while to do that anyways, like in a normal cycle. So I think the remaining eight, maybe Texas and OU stick around for another year. We'll see. Yeah, I think that's where my head's at. I think 2022 will be the last football season with Texas and Oklahoma, but we'll see. That's all we got, but, you know, plug what you guys are doing over at Aggieville Alley Cats. You guys had two great episodes this past weekend. What should folks be looking forward to in the future of your guys' show? Uh, well, um, as we mentioned a few times, uh, myself and uh, my friend Ace were the co-hosts of the Aggieville Alley Cats for a pretty recent start for KSA Podcast. Uh, once the season gets going, uh, we're going to get into uh, film breakdowns. It's something that Ace really wants to get into. That's more of his forte. Uh, we'll still do recruiting coverage and stuff like that because that never sleeps. And uh, we'll, we'll cover games. We'll preview games. We'll do post games if it isn't too painful. And uh, that, that, that's stuff to look for uh, in the season. But in the offseason, we try to do creative stuff now and again. Uh, unfortunately, we caused a, a realignment to happen with our realignment episode like two weeks before realignment actually started. But, uh, uh, but yeah, if you love KSA content, you will love Aggieville Alley Cats. Definitely. I'm so happy to have you guys in the game. I think I've said it a couple times, uh, especially during my big rants on the live show. National media doesn't care about K-State. The regional media is ignoring all of the stuff that's going down. Now is the time to support the folks who actually care, watch, and are covering K-State. So give Aggieville Alley Cats a listen. Give them a subscription. They're a lot of fun. They're, I always enjoy your guys' random uh, segment at the very end. You oh, yeah, guys the, have a lot of fun in the offseason. Yeah, the wacky segment of the week. Yeah, the wacky segment, <laughs> yes. So that, that is, that's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed seeing you guys launch your show. I'm looking forward to you guys continuing it on. And again, uh, that's all we have today. Again, we're sponsored by Spotify Green Room. We're going live every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Again, come join us. Ace and Connor are almost always in there. They're always giving some great takes. We have a lot of fun on there. Um, I have no idea what we're going to talk about this week, which is tomorrow as you guys are listening to it. Something might pop up. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Maybe we're going to have everyone do some uh, over-under bets on the Big 12. Who knows? Uh, last time I said something like that, though, Texas and Oklahoma left, and then we had all the content we needed for a while. So uh, we love you guys. Blitz Month is rocking on. Again, we're going to have one episode for you guys every weekday all the way up until Saturday the 4th. You're going to be hearing Connor and Ace on our airways and on theirs a lot. If Grant was here, he'd say meet me at the pad. I'm saying I just love everyone except for OU and Texas fans. I'm calling Farmageddon Freeze off. We're close enough to the season. Be mean to Iowa State fans again. So we love you guys, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
Sports Social Podcast Network.